1: Plenty of college football discussion on tap for the next couple of hours. Danny Cannell will join us coming up in 20 minutes. Plus, Withrow brings you the top 10 games for your college football weekend. That's coming up in the final hour. You can join us across the Outkick Network, Outkick.com, YouTube, our... Uh, streaming live there. If you search out Outkick, we help you subscribe. Chad is in the chat. Uh, And we're streaming across uh, Twitter, X, Facebook, and more. And if you're listening, we say thank you for listening to this great radio partner. Chad, um, Utah takes down Florida, really, with ease. Uh, Whittingham had his team prepared. Napier didn't on on the Florida sideline. Which team do you feel like you learn more about? And we're trying not to overreact to one performance because we did a year ago with the Gators. But while I feel like I've learned more about Florida, Utah, to me, gets over a hurdle that they were not able to do a year ago on the road in the swamp. And they end up winning the Pac-12. But by winning last night and having the national audience that they had, albeit blacked out with... Charter and Spectrum and Disney. I think this puts them right on the path for the college football playoff. They've got a four-game stretch later in the season where they will play USC, Oregon, and Washington. The only game in between that is Arizona State. They also should have ranked opponents like Oregon State earlier in the season. Uh, Plus, by the end of the year... They have a layup. They should have a layup against Colorado. I, I think the Utes are legitimate. And more than just uh, there's a Pac-12 champ that's going back to the Rose Bowl, no. Uh, Cam Rising will be coming back. Bryson Barnes look pretty good. And their defense at Utah is always steady. I like what I saw last night, albeit against a very average SEC opponent. I think we learn
2: more about Florida in the game. And I'll say that only for this reason. We watch Utah without their starting quarterback. Right. So at least we saw Florida with Graham Mertz, who is going to be the starter this season. And we saw the third string quarterback for Utah. But if that's the case, I'm with you and that that says a lot of great things about Utah. In the Pac-12, that they were able to beat Florida with their third-string quarterback. They have Baylor next week. And we just don't know what Cam Rising is going to look like don't when know. he comes back from the torn ACL. We don't know what that team's going to look like. We don't know if play calling changes. I don't think it does. They're always going to be a team that's going to look to beat you physically, first and foremost, and not over the top. But they showed last night with the first play of the game, a 70-yard touchdown pass. that so They can beat you over the top. So I was super impressed w- with that team. Kyle Whittingham, by the way, just looks like the perfect coach for Utah. The You're guy right, looks like a Carhartt advertisement <laughs> on the sideline. Just looking at him there in the photo that we just showed. I was, Every I was thinking about that jealous. last night. Uh, the, this is a guy who just goes in the mountains and comes back four days later, I think. He goes up there with a knife, and that's it, and he could probably survive. A uh, perfect coach in the perfect place, running the perfect style getting the perfect types of players for his program and what he wants to do. That's what I think and about with Utah. Hunt, we talked about this in last year's preseason, a team with a clear identity of what they want yeah. to do and who they want to be, and they showed that last
1: night. And I think a, a, too many, far too many people are pointing to USC as the hope for the Pac-12 in the final year of the Pac-12. And I'm, I'm looking at the back-to-back champs in Utah to be that team. And they don't have to turn their head and look over their shoulder and be like, yeah, week one, you know, Oregon would have to do that too against Georgia, but Utah lost to a very average Florida team a year ago. And at least in this case, there was no doubt who the better team was on the field. Meanwhile, last night as well, Nebraska, they lose on a walk-off field goal, 47 yards against Minnesota, 13-10 the final. And Chad, it is yet again same song, different verse for Huskers fans. Nebraska needs an exorcism. They need a
2: seance. They need something to happen. They need to burn some incense in the training facility. Something drastic has to take, take shape there because this is a program that we talked about the identity of Utah and what they are. Here's what Nebraska is. They're a team that is good enough talent-wise, scheme-wise, everything else, to play you close. And they're also a team that when they play hard enough and play well enough to play you close, they're going to find a way to lose it in the end. And last night is the perfect example of that. They were the better team. They dominated that second half. Coming out of the locker room, they were the far better team. They're milking the clock up seven. They're entering Minnesota territory. And you got a running back who doesn't protect the football. And it gets stripped from behind. Minnesota takes over, scores. Then they're moving the ball again. With Jeff Sims, and you've got an ill-advised pass that leads to an interception that then leads to the game-winning field goal with no time left for Minnesota. This is a team, and a, not just a team, a program that loses. Matt Rule, and when I say that name, people that are familiar with the NFL will say, well, maybe it's the Matt Rule from Carolina. I don't think so. Matt Rule's a winner in college football. And first and foremost, before he's a winner, he is a program changer. He's got a lot of changing to do psychologically with that Nebraska program, because those players are conditioned to lose when the game gets tough. They get nervous, they get scared, and they lose ball games that are right there in the grasp. There's a, a graphic that we showed earlier on a tweet that I want to highlight right now, and it's one that shows exactly how bad they've been Look in one-score games. The crying Jordan meme never gets old. By the way, this was posted the moment that game ended. Single-digit possession games record in Nebraska. Bo Pelini was twenty and eleven. Bill Callahan ten and seven. This is where it gets bad. Mike Riley seven and ten. Scott Frost, which eventually got him fired in his fifth season, five and twenty-two in one-score games, and now Matt Rule zero and one. Nebraska thought they could do better when they had Frank Solich who was a Tom Osborne guy when he took over. They couldn't. They hired Bill Callahan. It was far worse. they get rid of him. Bo Pelini had a nice stretch at Nebraska, getting them into Big 12 championship games. Pretty good teams, good defenses. Scored some points at times. And Dominican and Sue went through the program. Nebraska convinced themselves they could do better than Bo Pelini. They have not since then with the two coaches. Hutton, I believe in Matt Rule. I believe that he is especially making $9.5 million a year to be the coach of Nebraska. We saw what he did He Baylor. will turn it around. I saw a team last night that looked more competent than they did a year ago. But what are we going to be harping on? The big mistakes from the quarterback, the running back with the fumble, but the two interceptions. Well. It just drives you crazy watching this story over and over again.
1: Yeah. And, 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 The question was, would Sims be different because he's getting out of that offense with Georgia Tech, right? And he had, I mean, carried the ball like 15 to 20 times, but the average, not great. Of course, the sacks are are counted against that. But I'm looking, Chad, I'm looking at this from, is this more about the Nebraska defense, this run of one-score games? Is it more about the defense or the quarterback and the offense getting in position to go win? You know how many how many times have they they had the ball and they've been unable to drive and get points, or had the takeaway the way Minnesota did last night and get in position to hit a forty seven yard field goal and win? Uh, Scott Frost for all of the you know the the ridicule and deservedly so five and twenty two. It's crazy. Is the record in one score games for Scott Frost, who's remembered as a failure, with that fan base where he is beloved, five and twenty two. Normally, the odds kind of even out for you, right? Eventually, you have to have a game going your way uh, on a one score. No, it just has not gone in that in that direction. Um, and part of it, too, is probably Big Ten versus Big 12.
2: Yeah, th- that's part of it. But, I mean, they're still in position to win these, these games, even in the Big Ten. Here's what I think really needs to happen. I said an exorcism. Part, part of the exorcism to me is... It's not going to be good enough just to hold on for dear life in a game and have some other team make a mistake later. Just some, yeah. They're going to have to kick the door in. There's going to have to be a late-game scenario where they get every break and they make every break and they come from behind and win a game late. They steal one the way it felt like Minnesota stole it last night. They need one of those type of games. The, you, you know those well, feelings. It's probably going to come in Lincoln in a big game to where they're going to win an unexpected game – And it is going to feel like a religious experience for those fans. It is going to feel like an exorcism. They're going to get the breaks late. They're going to make big plays. And they're going to steal one late. I think that's what it takes to break that stigma. I'm not one who believes in curses. No, I don't. And superstition. But I I do believe in psychology getting to you. And that eventually the guys who should be making plays for you, but, they get worn down mentally and start to expect the worst. And they're so not many, out there
1: just making plays. But in this case, so many transfers mm-hmm. for, for rule. So the psychology of what has happened shouldn't be stuck oh, it's, with – Oh, it's carried over. That's what's crazy. And, and the, the guy who's the new quarterback who wasn't there a year
2: ago is the guy making the biggest mistakes. Let me say this about Sims, who I was, I'm high on coming into the season, but I was not impressed with last night. He played to me like a, 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 an adult – flag football quarterback that just decides he's going to run it every time because he's faster than the defense. Yeah. I, I don't think there was a lot of thought given on the read option. It just got to the point where, well, Jeff Sims is going to try to run for six or seven yards on every play, and he's not looking down the field. He's not looking to be a passer. He's not looking to hand it off or read the defense when he needs to. Hey, there's the first pair of Virginia fans we've seen here. Hello, the whole time in Nashville. You're not
1: seeing any of that with him. It's just a guy ready to take it and run. This make, I don't know what we see from Colorado against TCU. I think it's a blowout, right? I think we all do. But those, those stats that we saw in the one score, this makes the Colorado-Nebraska matchup next week far more appealing for a national audience, at least for me. I think it's got a chance to be a,
2: a low-scoring game yeah. for the taking for either team. I mean, I mean, what a huge win that would be for
1: Coach Prime in his debut in Boulder. I mean, if we're just trying to stack teams, Minnesota and Nebraska very close to one another, right? If we're just trying to think about where these programs are, Minnesota's winning the tight games. They're getting bowl eligible. They're moving to the postseason. Nebraska's losing these games that keep them out of the postseason. Meanwhile, it is going to be an extraordinary year for prime to reach six wins. So if if you're counting those, this would be one of them in a tight window game where Nebraska usually falters. I'll I'll also say this about the game last night. P.J. Fleck has done as good a job as anyone
2: at Minnesota over the years. You like the tie? You're Um, a big fan of the tie. I I do kind of like the outfit. I don't like some of the stuff with him. But uh, Coach Row, Row, Row Your Boat, Yeah. um, that team's not doing anything this year. I was very underwhelmed by Minnesota that they lost Muhammad Ibrahim last year, and they don't have the running back, the running game that they've had, Uh, the the quarterback – is not going to scare anybody the guy with the greek name that i can't even pronounce that was playing for him last night i was very underwhelmed by minnesota offensively in that in that game i don't think they're going to be much of a factor with the good teams on their schedule in the that, big 10 that toe drag by jackson was awesome it was an amazing catch that was fantastic and it was i mean a split second before that foot went down and a out great of call by the official we he don't... looked at it he was oh. not not in his head Yep, yeah. you got
1: it as he went in there right there on top of it. slow-mo and all that i mean it was i, I didn't know if he got it down or not props to of the official was right on top of it um the other team in the big 10 we're not talking about kind of like we're not going to talk about minnesota that are afterthought penn state this should be, they have a chance to climb the ladder. Oh, I think they're very much. They're I, very,
2: like. Hutton, I, I almost put them in the playoff this year. I was very close to it. Clay Travis even tweeted, Name your crazy prediction for the season. And I, I said, Penn State wins it all. Uh, I think this is a chance for a breakthrough year for James Franklin. It's
1: just. Get the quarterback. It's right. still
2: very hard for me to pick them over Michigan with what they have yeah. coming back in Ohio State with Marvin Harrison Jr. You have Marvin Harrison Jr. as the Heisman Trophy winner. It's very hard for me to pick them. But I think they're going to be really good. They run the football really well, and they are great against the run. We'll get into this in my top ten games of the week. Uh, This is sort of a strength-on-strength game where it does not bode well for West Virginia in the opener, where they are a good rushing team, but they are running up against a brick wall defense in Penn State against the run. But I'm high on – on Penn State this year, I think they're going to do great things. We need to get our guy Christian Hackenberg back on, yeah, to talk about them uh, as the season it's starting a New on.
1: podcast. It's uh, primarily Nittany Lion football. Chad, um, Ole Miss football. Matt Corral, heck of a final year, uh, paired with Lane Kiffin, ends up being a third round pick for the Carolina Panthers. He's been claimed by the New England Patriots, who let go of Zappy and Malik Cunningham earlier this week at the tra- at the uh, cut down roster deadline. They've got both of those quarterbacks back on the practice squad. And Matt Corral, who uh, was lost for the season in the preseason last year with a Liz Frank injury, claimed by Belichick and the Patriots as the backup on the active roster for Mac Jones. Now, you can elevate a player off your practice squad and have them active for game day and then send them back to your practice squad, which they can do with one of the two QBs. But this is on Mac Jones. And now they've got, from that same draft, Corral, in the mix as well, who was, quote unquote, in a competition a year ago, speaking of Matt Rule, uh, with the Panthers, then gets hurt. And we know how that season played out for Baker Mayfield.
2: Now, I'm sure there's some sort of crossover here that I'm missing, but there's no carryover on that Patriot staff with Lane Kiffin, other than Bill O'Brien succeeded Lane Kiffin as offensive coordinator at Alabama, right? They didn't share time there. At all together. I'm trying to think, I'm trying to put the dots together on... On Corral? Is there a Kiffin connection that could vouch for Corral with the Patriots
1: staff? Was O'Brien in the booth as an analyst for a year? I don't... Uh, maybe? Or did he just step right in to be the OC? I don't know. When he went to I'll, Alabama. I'll look it up.
2: I, I don't think there's crossover there, but that was the first thing that popped in my mind was, is there a Kiffin-Patriots connection with Bill O'Brien or someone on staff that led to them signing Matt Corral? I don't think so, but... I mean they had they've got to get a backup quarterback one way or the other so this is
1: the guy yeah i mean they could they could essentially have a backup um elevated to their active roster they have to be the number two because if you're going to have a emergency quarterback they have to be on the active roster and if you pull them up from the practice squad he's got to be on the roster for three weeks uh guaranteed so that's the dilemma that you have if you want to have the third qb as the emergency guy He's taking up one of your spots of the 53, but wouldn't count against your 48 on Sunday. Corral. And they made these moves peculiar. They made these moves knowing that they weren't necessarily guaranteed to get Zappi back, and they didn't know who was going to be available to claim. It's time to go from
2: Corral to Cannell.
1: Yes. Florida State, LSU, the ACC making three additions, Danny Cannell. With the very latest, we get his take on everything college football. It's next on Hot Mike with Hutton Withrow across the Outkick Network. Football is back. We kind of have a little false fall happening here yeah. in the middle Tennessee area. Get you every time, too. Yeah. It's a lot like March Madness where you feel like spring, you know, Augusta, and then all of a sudden it freezes again. I went outside and threw the softball around with my
2: daughter last night, and she was saying – Dad, it's so chilly out here. I need to go get a hoodie on. I said, let's not act rash. It's not that cold <laughs> outside. And don't get too excited about this
1: because that hoodie's coming right back off because it's about to be 97 next it week. It will. Hot Mike with Hunting Withrow rolls on across the Outkick Network. Danny Cannell joins us courtesy of Bet Online, betonline.net uh, to be specific. You can check out, uh, check out Bet Online for updated college football playoff win totals, conference Heisman, and college football week one lines. Danny, good to see you, man. Hope things are well
3: what's up fellas how's it going yeah we didn't get that false fall down in south florida <laughs> yeah. i'm still waiting on that one yeah uh, i was in new york city uh, last night though it was a little bit colder up there it was like 77 it was beautiful it was perfect
1: what do you make of the acc adding stanford cal and smu what does it mean for the conference and for someone that played at, at florida state what do you think of the future of the, now the 18 programs
3: Oh, fellas! How about the academic prowess? Can we just brag on that? Like, I mean, just look at the SAT scores that are applying to these universities. Look at our student athletes.
1: Student athletes. Yeah, uh,
3: yeah, exactly. Yeah, let's not talk about. Let's just talk about the (laughs) academic prowess that it adds to the conference. Because, I mean, it doesn't make any sense. I don't love it. You know, Florida State obviously is one of the schools that voted against it as a. North Carolina and Miami. NC State was the turncoat. They're the ones that caved and voted this thing through uh with the four schools that were going to hold out. I get it though. I mean, I I I got to give, you know, some credit to the ACC and the commissioner Jim Phillips because he's got to do something. Like this is the best of bad options. I mean, you're trying to survive in this rapidly shifting landscape. Notre Dame is clearly the best option, but they're just, it's not a reality right now. Um, You know, where you're going to go after Oregon state and Washington state, that didn't make a lot of sense. UConn. So you are able to get these three teams, which it gives you some West coast windows, which is going to be a nightmare to travel, not so much for football and basketball, but for the non-revenue sports. And some of them, they'll figure that out. They'll make one West coast trip uh, SMU, I actually think is probably the best value here. Cause SMU is like, we'll come, we don't even have to take any money. We just want to be, we just want to play with the big boys. And they're actually of uh, you. Know, they have some tradition and history going back to the eighties with Eric Dickerson and you know, the, um, pony you know, when express. they were the ponies, yeah, the pony express. So I, I, and I think they have a strong desire, like Sanford and Cal, what is their desire? Do they even want to be competitive in football? I don't think so. Like, I mean, I, I just, So it doesn't make a lot of sense, but it is all about money and any way you can cut into that gap. That's about $40 million per school in the ACC versus the SEC and big 10, the greater chance you have of surviving, keeping Florida state Clemson temporarily happy. So they don't, you know, force their way out. I just, it doesn't make a ton of sense. I don't love it, but I get why it was done.
2: Danny, I watched quite a bit of your work last night in New York. Great job with the studio work on CBS Sports Network. Really enjoyed it. Um, Saw you post-game after uh, UConn-NC State discussing Florida. And we've talked a lot about that game today. My biggest thing and the thing that would discourage me the most if I'm a Gator fan is they look poorly coached. And that's the one that's tough to get past in a game like that. It's one thing to go on the road and lose to a better team. It's another thing to look poorly coached in doing so. And to me, that's the way Florida looked last night. What did you make of that
3: game? Chad, I agree. I I mean, it was just, if you're Billy Napier, you got to feel so defeated today. I mean, because I actually thought there were some bright spots. Like the one guy that we thought was going to be awful was Graham Mertz. He actually played pretty good. Like he made some nice throws, showed some mobility, but he was getting killed and running for his life. They had no run game. But the the mental errors, like early in the game, they had an opportunity. There was the the fourth down. They forced a punt. And on the punt, you have the illegal substitution. And then you give them, you let them extend the drive into the red zone and they go on and score. And you saw penalties, you saw some missed execution too, you know, a missed field goal, a chip shot that could have really, you know, brought it to seven six early in the game. It was just everywhere you looked, it was pretty glaringly bad for the Gators. Um, but I think like if you're if you're a Gator fan and you're feeling down, and as somebody who backed the Gators to go over their five and a half win total, mm-hmm. I'm like, oh man, is that gonna be a loser? I didn't think they would win that game. And I think you have to consider that you went against a really good opponent. Like Utah is physical. They are back-to-back Pac-12 champions. They're a perennial top 10, top 15 team. Like that is a really good program that is at one of the best environments, even though Florida trolled them and they got trolled right back. Uh, you know, making fun of rice Eccles. It is a tough environment at altitude. And it's like, if you could take away, I, and I got to give a cr- ton of credit to Utah because I love the game plan from Andy Lugwood, their offensive coordinator, taking the shot early because I thought, I'm sure you guys thought every analyst that's watched football had to have the mindset. Well, no cam rising. They're going to try to run the football. And sure enough, what do they do? Play action pass, take the shot over the top, leads to the quick, easy touchdown early. I thought that was a huge kind of, Opener that opened up the game that allowed some of that pressure to be alleviated alleviated off the Utah quarterbacks that were both playing, but yeah, it's it's got to be a rough it's going to be a rough week in Florida as they try to rebound from this one.
2: We'll talk a little more ACC and we'll get into the biggest game of the week involving ACC versus SEC that you've got a lot of interest. Oh, they're in, in
3: Nashville. Is that what you're talking about? The, uh, are you talking about Chad? Are you talking about ACC? Is that the big game with Virginia? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the,
2: absolutely. The, the primetime game that we all know, that 11 a.m. Central kickoff uh, between Tennessee and Virginia. No, I do want to talk about a primetime game, though, not the one that we're going to talk about later, but North Carolina, South Carolina. And my big question, Danny, is we know how great Drake May is. Is North Carolina's defense just going to be okay? Because if they're just okay, they could be a great team in the ACC. They were putrid. A season ago. Do you think they've improved enough to where they can be a factor?
3: I don't know yet. I hope so, Jack, because it was bad. I mean, they were one of the worst in the country. It's almost one of those ones where it can't get that much worse. You know, like it just can't be that bad, or else Gene Chiswick, as much as you know, Mac Brown is a loyal coach, he'll just have to make a change. It'll be, you know, it's a results driven business. He can just go in there and say, This isn't getting it done. I think they will be better. I think they'll be more balanced too offensively. Um, but I, I mean, it, it was atrocious last year defensively. And I think this is a perfect opportunity for them to kind of pick up some momentum that they had early last year. Cause they need to forget about the last four games. The defense finally caught up to him. Drake may didn't play the role of Superman as much as he did the first nine games of the season. And I think South Carolina, North Carolina is the favorite, you know, a two and a half point favorite. This is an opportunity for them to kind of take, control early of the, in the season against a team that I like Shane Beamer. I like the way I love his culture that he's built, but he did lose some talent. Like he lost arguably his best offensive weapon in uh Jaheem bell who's playing for Florida state, Jordan Birch, probably the best defensive players now playing for Oregon. Like he lost some players there and he's got an inc- inconsistent quarterback and in Spencer Rattler. Like this is your opportunity for North Carolina to kind of show that last year wasn't a fluke. They're going to continue to build on the Drake may era. So uh, we had to see if the Tar Heels can do it, but you're right. It's all about the defense and whether they can improve or not.
1: Florida state and LSU, a game that shouldn't really impact their both programs, chances to win the conference. I mean, we saw what happened last year with both. Uh, and, and ultimately one wins one loses, but Which game or which team does this game affect the most down the road, Danny, Florida State or LSU, which impact is more significant?
3: I'll say, you know, it was interesting because I think the narrative around this game has been, you can lose this game and you can still, you know, reach all your goals. Yeah. But do you guys know in the college ball playoff, no team has lost in week one and made it to the playoffs. Now that might not be, you might not say, well, that's not the goal for Florida state. They just want to win the ACC or sec, you know, if the LSU, you know, but I mean, LSU, I think they want to, they want to get to the playoff. Like, Mm -hmm. so I do think either one of these teams could buck that trend. I think it's more important for Florida state. And here's why, because if Florida state loses the margin for error rapidly, you know, just it, it gets infinitesimal. You have to go on the road to Clemson. Like you have to beat them and probably beat them twice potentially to get to the playoff. Now, yes, you could still win the ACC if you lost at Clemson on September 23rd, but then you'd be a two loss team. You'd get a new year's six invite. Like it'd be nice, but I promise you, Jordan, Travis, Jared verse didn't come back to Florida state to just get a new year's six invite. Like these guys want to do something special. And if, if LSU loses the game, I do think if LSU lost the game and lost another game in the regular season, but somehow beat Georgia in the sec championship game. I think they'd be the first two loss team in the playoffs. So I think that it's because of the margin error, because of the conference, you know, uh, and the, 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 the reputation that the sec has, I think it means more for Florida state and Florida state's at home or right. pseudo home yeah. in Orlando, you know, but it's probably going to be 65, 70% Florida state fans. One of which will be me and my family as fans in that uh, stadium. But, yeah, I think I think it probably means a little bit more for Florida State
2: and to reach those goals, you've got to have great quarterback play. Jordan Travis at Florida State. Danny, what is the ceiling for Jordan Travis this season and what he can do for the Seminoles
3: so i I absolutely adore him. I mean, he is a phenomenal young man. He's got all the intangibles you would look for, and the one one of my favorite aspects about him is how much he's improved because I had my doubts. Everybody, every Florida state fan did early in his career. he's split in time with Mackenzie Milton. He didn't look very polished, but you know what we allowed him to do and when I say we, I mean, Mike Norvell and the coaching staff, they allowed, they allowed him to improve. Like he has gotten better and better and better. And too many times we as analysts and coaches as well. If a quarterback struggles somewhat, we're like up oh, bench him, get him out of there. We got to make a move. we got to find a guy who fits and can make us win. Now. had his, he took his lumps and starting at the end of the 21 season, like the back end there, about four or five games left in the season, he started to play really well. And then he carried over to last year. And I would expect more of the same this year for him to improve. And he has weapons all over the place. Johnny Wilson is six, seven. That was his favorite target. Six foot seven at wide receiver on the outside they bring Keon Coleman in from Michigan State, who was a late transfer. Who Mel Kiper just moved to number two on his big board behind Marvin Harrison Jr. He is a stud. Jaheem Bell, I mentioned at tight end. You got your running back back. You got a veteran offensive line. You got an offensive, you know, a play caller in Mike Norvell who is really innovative and finds weaknesses. I think the ceiling for Jordan Travis is Heisman Trophy and taking this team to the playoff. I do. I think there. Are, so I, I think that's the ceiling for Jordan Travis this season. Um, The reason I don't say national title is I think there's there's four teams that really kind of separate themselves with the talent that's on the field. And I think it's Georgia, obviously. I think it's Bama. I think it's Michigan, who's won back-to-back. And I think it's Ohio State. Like, they have the most four and five stars, the most first and second and third round NFL talent on their rosters. And I thought last year was an example of TCU showing, Hey, a lot of teams can get to the playoff, which I would put Florida state in that category, but how many can win two games against really good opponents. And I think that is such a select, you know, small group of schools that can actually do that, that I just, I'm, I don't want to go all in and say, Florida state can win the title. Maybe they will. And that'd be awesome. And it probably would be because Jordan Travis would be, you know, just lighten it up and he might. But I think along the you know offensive and defensive line, you might get pushed around a little bit uh, going trying to win two games against schools of that caliber.
2: Danny, are you ready to put Clemson on upset alert at Duke on Labor Day night?
3: Yeah, you know, my boy Dusty, who I do the radio show with, he's calling that game uh with Dave Pash and Tom Luganville. And he's been watching some film. And I I watched a lot of film with Riley Leonard last year. He is special. And you guys know, like, I know you guys, you guys like the SEC and there's some tough environments there, but nobody goes into Wallace Wade stadium and walks away unscathed. <laughs> I mean, that, that place is just, Rally. those Dukes, you, know, you get the, you get the Cameron crazies out there and it's just nuts. They're going to be pumped. Uh, they don't I have to go I to kid. class that day. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I kid, but I do. Mike Elko <laughs> is a defensive coach. Like we think it's going to work with Garrett Riley. I do. Cade Klumnik is still a young quarterback. Riley Leonard is athletic. You guys need to check out. His 360 slam dunk okay. online. Like just Google it, do Riley Leonard dunk, and it comes up on Twitter in a game, 360 dunk. He is a freak athlete that can throw it, he can run. That to me would give Dabo Sweeney a little bit of nightmares because I think he could be the kind of X factor that keeps that game competitive. And then if it's a, a fourth quarter game and you know, you got a young quarterback and cake Club that you're supposed to win, I like Duke with the points as the home dog outright upset i'd be surprised but i wouldn't be
1: shocked danny cannell betonline.net is the site you can go to make all your parlays your predictions for the season week one lines and more uh, i'm i'm gonna bet duke just based on the 360 dunk i just saw like it just it's insane uh, right? bias yes dunk contest yeah. galore chad's looking it up now too <laughs> hey man uh enjoy the weekend football is back we're thrilled for it and uh, here's hoping that some of these games that look like blowouts on paper actually give us some some uh, nail biters down to the wire tomorrow. Thanks, Danny.
3: You got it, Jonathan. Chad, thanks so much. You know, I know this weekend's not the best, but wait till you guys see week two slate. Week two is it's phenomenal. Stacked. So enjoy it all though.
1: Thank you, Danny. Danny Thank Cannell. Yeah. Always great to catch up with him. Coming up, uh, we've got further headlines of the day. The dumpster fire of the week in sports and plenty of discussion about the top college football games coming up your way tomorrow. Hot mic rolls on. 6th and Peabody, our location. Happy Friday to you. Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow rolls on across the Outkick Network. D Hop beer and Old Smoky Moonshine hopping here in Music City. Hopefully it is where you are as football has returned. Chad, uh, baseball in full swing. Ronald Acuna, man. He has started the 60-30 club. 60 stolen bases, 30 homers. They accomplished that uh, yesterday, and he did so in a game... Uh, after a morning where he was married. Yeah. Not a bad day for Acuna. No. I Or was, the uh, Atlanta Braves.
2: Yeah, it was, it was funny. Brian Snitker was asked afterward, and he said, I, I don't know what's going on. I, I'm glad I don't know half the stuff that goes on <laughs> with the team because they went out Whatever somewhere he's doing, around, let him do it. Yeah, around L.A. and he had a, a wedding service. Um, I know he's got two young children uh, with this woman that he married yesterday. So congrats to Ronald Acuna and his, and his new bride. And congrats to Ronald Acuna on making history. I went to bed last night. This game was 7-1 to Braves. And I said to myself, the, the uh, Dodgers had Jason Hayward on second and I think maybe Freddie Freeman on first that just walked with no outs in the fifth or sixth. And I said, this will be a one-run game or very close by the end because the Dodgers will score some runs. The Braves won 8-7 to seven. when I woke up and saw it. Well, this is a powerhouse series. In the regular season, a four-game series everyone wants to watch because right now these are clearly the two best teams in the National
1: League. With the two best players. Yep. Mookie Betts and three. Acuna. Three. When you count yeah. Freddie Freeman, Freddie who's Freed. also an MVP race. Betts and Acuna last night combined for three homers and eight RBI. And, and they're apparently neck and neck in the NL MVP uh, chase. I don't know how you set this record and you become the first 60-30 player and you don't win MVP. Well, it's also... With the consistency there. Is he being knocked because of the new rules in stolen bases? Maybe. I think he's going to win it, first off. Not knocked, but, you know.
2: I think he's going to win it. But um, the fact that he's not a runaway, yeah, I I see what you're saying. It's not September when this happened. That's the crazy thing. I mean, as it happened, he said he has made history, and it is August. We have a month. At this point. I mean, it is not... We're not yet into September. A whole month left in the season is just crazy. I was trying to look up another uh, just insane stat on Braves home run hitting. I think the number is 5 out of 11. 5 of the top 11 home run hitters or maybe are playing s- are, are, are
1: are in Braves this?
2: in the National League. Oh,
1: I thought you meant in they the They have
2: like 5 of the top 10 or 7 of the top 12 or something in home runs in the National League. Which is on remarkable the same team.
1: considering their lineup. Like it's it's crazy. Uh, 3 years ago you wouldn't have predicted this. No. The power and that's with Freeman, by the way. Acuna is,
2: I mean, he's an all-timer. He What's his the, contract? He is a five-tool What's his guy contract. Like? That's incredible.
1: At any point, do these guys just look at their deal and be like, "Hey, we, it's time to renegotiate based on production." I it?
2: I think they'll probably
1: do something. They're such a tight-knit clubhouse. You know? Yeah. Well, you know, they have the. the
2: it's like a, it's kind of like Heat culture in Miami. Yeah. You know, they don't do load management with Miami. They do none of that. The the Braves do not take days off. They only miss – Ozzie Albies had not missed a single start, a single game until he hurt his hamstring, and he's had to sit from that point on. But, I mean, they're doing this without Ozzie Albies right now. It's an incredible lineup. And this happens to come on Labor Day weekend when our focus turns to football. But if you are a a baseball fan, just keep one eye peaked on Braves-Dodgers all weekend because it is going to be a, sl- a slugfest between these two. Uh, both remarkable
1: teams. It wasn't a slugfest. It was a slap fest for Tyreek Hill, uh, allegedly, uh, at the marina back in, what, June, uh, in May, uh, with uh, the alleged assault, Tyreek Hill involved with this uh, at, at a marina. Um, he is not going to face discipline from the NFL. The NFL has confirmed that. And the, the guy who was slapped here did not press charges. In fact, both attorneys for each party released a joint statement uh, saying that they had resolved their differences. So nothing came of this, even though Tyreek Hill was vocal and said, yeah, I was dumb. He told that to the media this offseason. It was stupid. Boneheaded, I believe, is what he said. Uh, and now he's been like, hey, I'm not really focused on a suspension. I don't expect to. And he, he doesn't hear He's not going to miss any time on the field for the Miami Dolphins. That's great news for them. Yeah, he paid them off as they crank up. Well, but, <laughs> that was my we've
2: resolved our differences in that. Well, Tyreek's attorney got that, with our attorney legally and he paid him.
1: Legally, that it doesn't have to be a settlement like this where the NFL reacts the way they did. Yeah. it could be conduct detrimental to the league, and they can still the league could suspend have done whatever they want to. No discipline.
2: I mean, uh, the the league just said whatever. A slap fight that was resolved peacefully. They're not going to press charges or cooperate. I mean, I, whatever happened, happened. I tend
1: to agree, but normally they they do something. You know, it's a fine or there's something. Well, especially
2: there. with someone with a track record like right. Tyree Kill. Right. So,
1: No whatever. dumpster fire someone, there. Someone uh, got paid. But it is time for our dumpster fire of the uh, sports week. Davy Hudson also joins us in studio for this. Uh, and Davey, the, the theme is we picked the... The uh, big failure of the week. The biggest the week dumpster fire.
0: They have problems going on. You can look at it on multiple fronts, but... There's plenty to choose from. There's Does, always... It doesn't have to be sports, sports too, right? We it, we it get all wide open. It doesn't have to be. I think for today, uh, we all have something that is somewhat related to sports. Yes.
1: Okay. Uh, I'll, I'll kick it off with just uh, my dumpster fire of the week. Uh, the, the holdouts with DirecTV and Nextstar. And you also have, going on right now, uh, Disney with Charter and Spectrum which Florida fans and uh, college football fans f- found out the hard way right as the game was supposed to kick off they cut away and My you have mom nothing dad but also. a message happened right here that the Withros couldn't uh, watch this game last night pathetic uh, in Florida you can't stream it on an app you couldn't get on your phone and watch this uh, it's posturing it's a maneuver that was I mean smart by Disney I guess uh, whenever they choose to pull the plug on the game last night with Utah and Florida um But isn't it interesting that they choose to do it when football is being played? Preseason games in local markets for Nexstar, which here happens to be ABC, you can't watch the preseason matchup in the NFL. And the vast majority of viewers found out that this dispute was going on when football was kicking off. If you want to see the popularity of football across the country, NFL, SEC, Power Five, Big Ten, whatever, Just find out about the cable disputes whenever football is about to tee it up. Uh, Fix this. Get this done instead of pointing fingers at each other saying they're to blame. In an era where we're headed into a streaming market more so than the cable providers with household after household, individual after individual, cutting the cord. This is just another reason to do so. I hand out the dumpster fire. To the negotiations between all of these companies combined it 's embarrassing well said,
2: totally pathetic inexcusable. figure it out, get it together, or everyone 's going to be on streamers nonstop My dumpster fire of the week goes to the Florida Gators football coaching staff nine penalties in the game had two dudes on the field with the number three on on special teams. Uh, one might ask themselves how does a highly paid collegiate Southeastern Conference football staff allow something like that to happen that later goes on to lead to an 80-yard touchdown drive because of the five-yard penalty that led to an automatic first down after the pickup. Well, how that happens is, instead of having a special teams coordinator to blame, you have something called a game-changer coordinator who is Chris Couch, who was in charge of special teams at uh, the previous stop of Billy Napier. Look, hire a special teams coordinator. Get it together. Billy Napier's got talent on this Florida roster. I thought Graham Mertz was was fine in this game. Not great, but he was fine. He played well enough, if he had some help, to maybe go there and win the game. You were not good enough, Billy Napier. That's the issue with this game. My dumpster fire of the week, and I think Gator fans will agree with me on this, that Florida Gators coaching staff led by Billy Napier better figure it out or this dumpster fire of the week will be an inferno that will completely burn them up for the entire year. So figure it out now, or this thing's going to be ugly quickly.
0: Guys, I will first, I'd like to add on a couple of things. First, a PSA. So as it relates to Hutton talking about the negotiations between Charter uh, which is Spectrum. And then Disney, I, I was impacted by you this. You issue too, right? Yes. Granted, I'm still uh, mooching off my parents when it comes to their cable subscription. Uh, you were subscription. still affected, Davey. But uh, what, what makes it even worse, and I just want you all to know this, like ABC's included in this. Even if you don't have, or let's say even if you have Spectrum and you are signed up through ESPN Plus, through Verizon or some other company, it's still linked into the back end of the ESPN app. So... It doesn't matter if you have ESPN Plus and you're still paying for Spectrum. You're not going to be able to watch anything until they get this settled. Uh, but tons of games this weekend. We'll see how that continues to go off of. Uh, the, the main thing that set that up, though, is everybody getting upset about Florida, which you mentioned, Chad. I agree with you. Uh, if, I, if I am the Gators and I'm a fan, I, I'm at the point. Um, I'm already calling for it. Oh, you got something, Hud?
1: Well, just think about it from this perspective. Chad, if this were Tennessee, Florida, right? And you have the graphic that popped up on your screen. Davey, you could uh, voice your complaint here as well. What do you do at that point? You're set for kickoff. You've probably you had a pregame. You may have friends over. And then right at kickoff, you have that uh, announcement. After pregame has been aired and you've seen the field and everything's going on.
0: I, I was calling other people to see if they'd let me use their like YouTube TV login so I could watch the game. And, how'd, I mean, some I people aren't going to have that. I, I, I was able to get in, but the person... Yeah. Um, I love them dearly, but trying to just communicate, getting them to use the activation code yeah. was a nightmare in <laughs> and of itself.
2: If you, if you don't make this thing as easy as possible, exactly what Davey's talking about yeah. right now, you are just encouraging people to rip off your business. They're just going to go to friends that have a login for whatever. They're trying, Yeah. Because if, if you don't give me convenience, if I'm just going to blindly give you 15 bucks a month or whatever it is for a streaming service and it doesn't work for me, I'm stealing from you. Yeah, Davey's going to steal from you, as he did last night with a yeah. friend subscription. Like That's what you're encouraging us to do if we're going to force us to watch a game, not through what we're paying you to see, but through other means, then forever now we're
0: going to steal from you. I'm not one to stand up for cable companies because I know they've screwed people over ad nauseum in the past, but this is on Disney. I mean, Disney was the one who ultimately made this call, but... Uh, we'll see how it, ha- how well, it unfolds this weekend. Well, they're doing it because they're
2: saying it's on them. Yeah. So we had to do this well, to get their attention. Ev-
0: everything looks as though this is Charter slash Spectrum's fault. But Yeah, they're the ones that are going to get the calls. Yeah. Uh, and as it relates to Florida... Bob uh, Iger will receive no calls. <laughs> I I, I agree with you guys, but now's the time. Like uh, you got to pull the plug on the Billy Napier project. It's not going to get better whenever these coaching mistakes are happening. A, a good example is it's not as bad of a loss because it was a ranked team, but as far as the coaching malpractice that you saw, I would equate it to Tennessee losing to Georgia State year two mm. in Jeremy Pruitt era. I so, will not go that far. <laughs> I, I will go that far. So that was not if you Georgia lose, State. it's how you lose. I, yeah. That's Yeah, uh, it, my it was motto. bad. Hey, and I, I,
2: I've teased it, but it's going to happen. Urban Meyer. Calls for him to come back to Florida will happen.
0: They don't want Urban. They, rather than later. they want the Final. old ball coach to come down from his office and just draw up some cool plays for them to watch. Mm-hmm.
1: Jerry Jones may have some calls for Mike McCarthy if the season starts slow for the Dallas he Cowboys. He might.
0: And, you know, last Friday the trade happened for Trey Lance. And really where my dumpster fire comes from as it relates to the Dallas Cowboys and Jerry Jones um, – They're never gonna get over the hump. Jerry's making these moves and at first you're like, okay, that's cool if everyone's in agreement that we're making this as a unit, but no, Jerry Jones is just like, I'm just gonna go out and get Trey Lance. Mike McCarthy, other personnel within the building did not know this happened until after the trade had already been executed. And so, you know, the quarterbacks that were already in that room weren't happy. We know Dak Prescott wasn't glad to see Will Greer grow, go. I'm glad he was able to have that awesome final preseason game and put that on tape after knowing that this was his final game with the team. And it's you can say this is a minor thing, but this is just a bigger problem that we've seen time and time again. I'm calling it this year. The Cowboys aren't making the playoffs. They're finishing fourth in the NFC East. Wow. They, they're not getting it done. I think moving on from Kellen Moore, Schottenheimer's not going to be the answer there, even if they kind of are maneuvering how they're dealing with the plays, whether it's McCarthy, Schottenheimer. This is going to be a bad year for the Dallas Cowboys. And Kellen Moore, watch out for the Chargers. Justin Herbert, I could see him getting over 50 passing touchdowns this season.
1: Well... It's on McCarthy now. Yep. That's, that's clear. Uh, Schottenheimer can come in and be the offensive coordinator. We're back to McCarthy's offense. Hands down. And I don't think Dallas is finishing last. I think we could see three teams out of that division yet again in the postseason. Coming up, headlines of the day as we reach the final hour. We'll get you to the college football weekend. Hot Mike with Hutton Withrow across the Outkick Network.